Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Tuesday, September the 19th, 2023. We've done lots of shows on activism and political agency. Many of the books and guests we've had on the show are focused on politics and how to change our world. But activism implies intent. It suggests agency. Activists want to be activists, and that's what makes them activists. My guest today, though, has a a rather different take, a rather intriguing one. Uh, Kat Calvin um, is an activist, uh, but she has a new book out. It's out today. Uh, it's called American Identity in Crisis, Notes from an Active Accidental Activist. And Kat is joining us uh, from Baltimore. She's on the road. She's got a book tour. She's between Washington, D.C. and New York. That's what Baltimore exists for. Uh, Kat, how can you be a, an accidental activist? Explain what that means. Yeah, you know, uh, it's funny because I've been an activist type in a, of a lot of different things in my life, education and entrepreneurship. And, and I, I've worked in a lot of different fields as an activist, but I really became an accidental ID activist because I sort of tripped into this issue. Uh, I started Spread the Vote. I'm a 501c3 nonprofit after the 2016 elections really focused on voter ID laws. And it took me about five and a half seconds to realize, oh, we actually have a massive ID crisis in this country and it's really costing lives and and jobs and keeping people in poverty. And this is something we've got to fix. And I had no idea until I started the organization how big the problem was and uh, sort of IDs became my life and ID activism became my life. And I really did not think that it was going to. Tell me why we have an ID crisis. What exactly does that mean? Sure. So 26 million American adults do not have government issued photo ID, more than the population of every state except California and Texas. And what that means is that there are 26 million adults in America who can't get jobs, housing, healthcare, bank accounts, access to social services, all of the things that you need an ID for in order to live any kind of, of stable or successful life in this country. And so not only do we have you know all of these people and their families, their children uh, who are suffering because of this. But really, if you think about it, when 11% of the adults in your country can't work, it impacts everybody. It impacts homelessness, it impacts crime, it impacts tax rates, recidivism, just everything. So it is really a crisis that is impacting all of us. But the problem is that most of us have no idea that this is an issue at all. Yeah, and I have to admit, I had no idea. So let's get some basics clear. What is a government ID? Is that a driving license? Uh, So it doesn't have to be a driver's license. It's any kind of government-issued photo ID. So when you go to the DMV, you can get a driver's license. You can get a non-driver's ID. Um, You know, we have passports, which are also government-issued photo IDs. Uh, There are different types. You know, there are tribal IDs, different things like that. Uh, Driver's licenses are certainly the most common form of photo ID in the country, but there are a variety of different kinds of ID that would qualify. Yeah, I'm actually just looking through my wallet now, and I actually have four government IDs. I have a green card, I have 
all sorts of other ones, government uh, driver's license, of course. So, of course, the, the question, Kat, that I'm sure everybody asks you is, why? Why are there 26 million Americans, which is a significant amount? What's that about 5%? It's 11% of adults. 11. So that's 11. So, right. So kids don't count because kids can't get. Right. Where that 26 million only counts adults in the country. Okay. So we've got 11% of Americans, which is what, I mean, it's an astonishingly large number. I mean, 26 million people is obviously a large number in itself. Why? Given that anyone presumably can go down to the DMV and even if you don't have a driver's license, you can at least get a photo ID. Well, the problem is you can't, right? It's really difficult. So all of us who've been to the DMV know you really need a stack of documents. You need your birth certificate, which 15 to 18 million American adults do not have access to their birth or citizenship records. So you already got 68% of American adults who don't have the first thing that you need in order to get an ID in a state, which is a birth certificate. And if you go to Vital Records and try to get a birth certificate without an ID, uh, they, it's a complicated process. We uh, have become experts in not just state by state, but county by county. There are different rules and regulations for how you get a birth certificate without an ID. So that's the first part. It's also expensive. It costs us sometimes up to $90 to get IDs for clients, uh, to get birth certificates for clients. Um, and if you think about it, right, if you don't have an ID, you can't work. So the cost is huge. You also need proof of residency. Well, if you're unhoused, then you don't have that. If you are recently a returned citizen, you don't have that. If you're, you know, a senior living with people, there are a lot of people who don't have the traditional proofs of residency. And a lot of states do not make exceptions for those folks. And so proof of residency is really difficult. You also need proof of every single time that you've changed your name. So if you are a woman who's changed your name because you've been married or divorced or widowed, if you're a former foster youth who has had your name changed several times, you have to have the original proof, the court records or the divorce decree the marriage license for every single time. Uh, and then you have to be able to pay for the ID itself, which can go anywhere from five to, in some states, it gets up to $50 for IDs. Um, and so the cost is massive. Uh, and then there's the fact that over 10 million Americans live more than 10 miles from a DMV. And of course, we don't have an ID, you don't have a car, and we don't have great public transportation everywhere in the country, especially rural areas. So even just getting to the DMV is really challenging. And so you know, we've worked with people who haven't had IDs for decades because the costs, the paperwork, everything required is such a huge burden for the most vulnerable people in the country who are the people who are impacted by this the most. And I'm guessing, Kat, and I, I'm not a very smart guy, but I'm pretty confident I'm right on this one, that in terms of those 26 million Americans, the 11% of adults who don't have IDs, uh, the the racial and the income uh, divide uh, is pretty stark. Absolutely. I mean, you know, again, you can't legally have a job without an ID because you need it for your I-9. So the vast majority of people who don't have IDs are either unemployed, um, they're underemployed or under the table employed. Um, and so immediately then you're looking at people who have little to no income. You also, you know, you can't collect uh, 
you know, social security, right, or, or any of the sort of benefits that we have for folks, SNAP, WIC, you know, all of these things you need an ID for, so you can't even access the benefits that would sort of help you stay on your feet. Um, and yeah, it's also, it's it's severely racially divided, also a lot of seniors, a lot of very young people, a lot of returning citizens, um, you know, it is... Uh, uh, people the, the coming out of jail, I'm guessing. Yeah, exactly, returning citizens, yeah, people coming out of jail. So it's, it is the cross-section of all of the people who are at really sort of the, you know, the bottom of society when we look at socioeconomic status, when we look at opportunity. So it essentially captures the most, uh, the most vivid inequality. It's the underclass. I don't know whether that's a term some people object, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sociological reality. So what that means is that there are 26 million people who are completely off the government rolls. They, don't, they can't claim unemployment. They can't claim pension. They can't claim anything. Is that right? It is. Yeah. I mean, you you know, we even have there's a whole chapter in my book on veterans because there are so many veterans who don't have IDs and can't even get services at the VA because they don't have ID. They can't even get their veterans benefits. So it is literally, you know, if you go into any government office looking for I'm for benefits, if you are lucky enough to get a Section 8 voucher, you can't get Section 8 housing Um, and even little things like, you know, most what not little, but uh, non-governmental, like, you know, uh, most food banks require ID for food. A lot of shelters require ID for a bed at night. So even the immediate things that would keep you safe, would keep you sheltered, would keep you fed, you need an ID for. Can you, I mean, you said there's a lot of veterans Mm -hmm. without an ID. Can you join the military without an ID? Well, you get a military ID when you join. Um, and so, but the problem is that, you know, we have, we have a, a massive, massive issue with veteran unemployment and veteran homelessness. And one of the things that happens the second you become unhoused, I mean, think about it, you lose your documents because you no longer have a safe place to keep them. So they either get lost, they get stolen, the police sweep them constantly. We have a real problem with clients coming back because their IDs have been thrown away by the police or burned by the police. Um, And so that's constantly an issue. You know, we also have rainstorms that come through, right? Or all sorts of things. And when you don't have a safe place to keep your documents, they're gone. And once they're gone, it's really hard to get them again. So we have veterans who get out of the military. They can't become employed. They Their military IDs expire or they lose them because they're unhoused, et cetera. And then getting them replaced becomes almost impossible without help. So Kat, how, how does this intersect with i don't know how many million undocumented immigrants there are whatever you want to call them in 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 america mm-hmm. um it, it, does this add to the problem or is this an entirely separate issue so yes and no right there are um, there are about 16 states that allow undocumented people to receive driver's licenses there's just a few that allow undocumented folks to get IDs although hopefully that number will increase it's going to increase in in California in 2027 other states are starting to add uh, and so 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 the numbers the 26 million is not including folks who are undocumented because they're they're not part of even the pool of people who really can get uh, state IDs in the vast majority of the country. Um, But it is a huge issue, you know, and this is something where municipal IDs are really useful because 
whether you're documented or not, you can't do anything in this country without an ID. You really need one. And if we're excluding people from being able to have identification, then not only are they not able to work or get health care, get bank accounts, but also they are open to more harassment and sometimes temporary incarceration by police. Right. Like there are so many things that happen um, because you don't have ID. And so when we're looking at folks who are coming over here um, and trying to get a new start uh, and who we you know, probably don't want sleeping on the streets. We want to be able to be employed. We want to be able to be safe. They need an ID to do so. So again, excuse my questions that they are rather uh, crude and, and it reflects my own privilege because it's such an unimaginable situation for, for me. Um, but what happens if, if, if someone who has no ID gets picked up by the police and they ask, well, what's your name? And they can't yeah, well, prove we have, anything. Yeah. Uh, what happens a lot of times is that we we have a lot of clients who police just put them in jail and make them sit there for a few days because they don't have ID. Like it's, I'm, you know, which isn't actually illegal not to have an ID, but it's treated as if, as if it is, right? And so, I'm, yeah, we, you know, we had a gentleman who was, in prison and they put him in under the wrong name because he didn't have ID. And uh, I think people think that our departments of corrections have really good uh, organization and paperwork systems. I am here to tell you they do not. Uh, and so that happens. And so, yeah, it is actually, it's a really scary thing for folks because if you don't have any way to prove your identity, um, then the police will throw you in jail. They will, you know, accuse you of things. You know, it's, it's, it's a very confusing situation. I'm in which there's there's not really any way to sort of prove who you are. Yeah, I've always thought, and I've discussed this from time to time on this show, I've always thought there are lots of similarities between 21st century America and 19th century Russia. And this could be a story written by Gogol of just kind of dead souls, except they're not even dead. They're off the rolls. There's no proof of their existence. They can't prove their existence. So how do they get out of jail if they don't have a birth certificate? Yeah. Are there people well, just you know, rotting in jail because they can't prove who they are? They're not people. Uh, I wouldn't say rotting in jail because they can't prove who they are because they do know that they have bodies in there and there is a system and there are sort of amounts of times that you can hold people and things like that. But people are rotting away on the streets. You know, one of the most common things that people say when we get them their ID is I'm a person again, because you really, like you said, you're not a person without an ID. And so, you, you know, there's there's nothing you can can do to improve your life to get off of the streets to be able to start to even try to build a life uh, and so you do you know we we have so we've helped over 11,000 people get IDs and i've had so many people in my car who just have these stories of just having years and years where they just feel like they don't exist uh, and they're not people and you know people burst into tears when we give them their birth certificates when we take them to the DMV and they get their IDs because it is it's the first time you feel like you actually have an identity again. A couple of years ago, we did a show with an Indian activist who's creating a, a digital form of ID within India for this equivalent Indian underclass. Um, is the fix digital? Could all this be solved if, if, if the state invested in a massive digital infrastructure so that everyone was on the rolls? Um, so... Yes. And actually, the funny thing is, we already have that, right? So if you go to the DMV right now, I just had to go uh, to the DMV uh, 
while I was writing this book, actually, so this anecdote is in the book. Um, this and is your punishment, Cat. Uh, Anyone who wants to be punished has to go to the DMV. <laughs> well, and I've made terrible decisions with my life because I'm at the DMV almost every day, and I'm constantly wondering, like, why? Why did I choose this? Uh, nobody. This is why it's an, I'm an accidental ID activist. Nobody would choose to be at the DMV as often as I am. Uh, but what you know, when I went to get my ID, they had me just scan my fingerprint. And then everywhere I went to every station to take the test, to get my photo, this and that, they, they just scanned my fingerprint because all of our information is in the system, right? I think one thing that COVID taught us is that the government doesn't need to ask who you are, where you work, how much you make, how many children you have, and they know ex exactly how much money that they decide to send you and mail you a check. And we didn't have to fill out a single form to get those checks, right? The government actually has all of our information. They know everything about us. We just have these barriers in place uh, so that we will not use that information to get people IDs. Instead, we make people go through these incredibly burdensome costs and steps when actually the system, the digital systems, they're already in place we're just not using them but are you saying then that for the person living in their car or on the street the government has their fingerprint where are they going to get that from so the government has look this is america everybody born here has a social security number right like the government has all of our information i'm um, the fingerprinting the by the when you get an, an id your first time and so for the majority of people who are helping, right? Like they've had an ID before at some point in the past. Is that we work with a lot of young people who have it, right? But when we're working with seniors, when we're working with veterans, like we're working with people who at some point had an ID and then things happened and it either was lost or expired or whatever, and they're unhoused and they don't have the funds and they can't get it back or they were incarcerated and their ID was either thrown away or it expired and then they were released and they don't get a new ID and they have to start over, right? And so everyone is in, in America, if you're in this country, you're in the system, you're in a system, right? And so the government has our information and whether it's that they have your fingerprint, they have your social security card, they have your photo, people have no idea of all of the different layers of security and tracking that are in the IDs that you're getting from the DMV that are in your passport. The government knows who we are, they know where we are. And so, and they have systems already in place. You know, we've been to DMVs where, you know, someone has just burst out crying because they they haven't been able to get a birth certificate and the the dmv worker has said you know what i actually can't just pull this up on my computer because we know they can no, it's, it's just it's astonishing I, and i'm not a, i don't always go in for this confession on privilege and all the rest of it it gets a bit boring but i have to admit on this front it is astonishing how i just take id for granted and i guess the the more quote unquote privileged you are or the more power you have the more ids you have I've got about four cards, which prove who I am. Well, and you know, this is this is why even for me, it was a surprise. And this is why I wrote the book and I never, I never blame anyone who doesn't know this is an issue. You know, I have had a passport since I was an infant. I got a military ID at 10. Right. I got a driver's license at 16. I also have never had a conscious moment without an ID. And because that's the case for so many of us, we just have no idea. And, you know, this, my book's the first book anyone's written on IDs. There hasn't been a sort of loud national voice saying that right. this is an issue. It's and an, we're an enormously important issue. And I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled that you're on the show and you're talking about it. And when I travel, and I travel a lot, I was just in the Philippines last week, you know, that your big nightmare is losing your passport. So you can't get out of the country. But these people don't have it in the first place. We are talking with an 
accidental activist, but I'm thrilled that she has become an accidental activist because this is an essential story. There are 26 million Americans don't have government ID. That's 11% of adults. Kat Calvin writes about this in her new book, American Identity in Crisis, Notes from an uh, Accidental Activist. She claims to be accidental. I'm not quite sure if she is quite as accidental as she suggests, but that's another story. Um, we're going to take a short break. Thank uh, Liberties, who are helping bring you this show, a quarterly journal of culture and politics. We're going to take a short break, have a, a little bit about Liberties, and then we'll be back with Kat. And I want to talk more specifically about the book. So don't go away, anyone. Don't lose your IDs. <laughs> Beyond the news, the noise, there is nuance, insight. Liberties is not just a journal of ideas. It's a meteor of intelligent substance. It's the place to be for engaged citizens. Politics, opinion, substance. Liberties is a triumph for freedom of thought. A quarterly of urgency, of cultural exploration, of intellectual delight, of immaculate prose. It's invaluable. Subscribe now or find Liberties at your favorite bookseller. And you can check out more about Liberties at libertiesjournal.com. You can subscribe online. You'll have to give your address. You'll have to have an ID. But I guess most people who get Liberties has a government ID, which isn't true of all Americans. Um, Kat Calvin has an important new book out, uh, American Identity in Crisis, Notes from an Accidental Activist. Uh, Kat, tell me a little bit about the book. It's it's not really, it, it, it's a narrative. It's a creative non-fictional narrative. It, it, it describes your tour around America discovering this new world. You know, that's exactly what it is. I'm, it is, I will tell people it's short and I threw in some jokes, so it's not a boring political tome. Um, but it, it sort of does a couple of things. You know, I wanted to explain sort of the basics of what an American ID crisis is, of how we have it, of why, of what it really looks like for people who we have worked with who don't have IDs. And what does it mean not to have an ID? And why don't you have one? And how hard is it to get one? Uh, but at the same time, so much of the story uh, is about you know how I was able to start the organizations that I started and how the work we've been able to do and how we learned about this issue and how we figured out how do we help people get birth certificates? How do we help people get IDs? And so I wove both of those in because I think that that helps really illuminate like this is what the issue is and why it's so challenging. Um, and then at the end, we uh, I, I have a solution. And so I tell everybody good news. There's a way to solve this problem. And here's how you do it. And uh, so hopefully, you know, my goal is that this book will both educate people on this issue and also get people fired up to be able to solve it. I want to get to the fix in a few minutes. Uh, but the obvious implications of this are on voting and particularly given the history of post-Reconstruction America and the way in which the vast majority of, of African-Americans were eliminated from, from the voter registration. This has a particularly chilling historical quality, doesn't it, Kat? I mean, it does. You know, this is really, this is how I... I came into the issue initially before I realized sort of all of the larger applications was um, Shelby County v. Holder, and, which happened in 2013. And it 
I removed a big chunk of the Voting Rights Act. And I, we then saw the proliferation of a lot of different voter suppression, including, including voter ID laws. And that's sort of why no one had really heard of them before 2013 was because all of a sudden we didn't have the protections of the Voting Rights Act. And so we now have you know, a vast majority of the country, 36 states that require ID in order to vote. Uh, but we also have 26 million American adults who don't have the ID that they need to vote. And this is reflected uh, in so many numbers. I mean, you can look at states like Wisconsin has uh, over 200,000 registered voters who don't have the ID they need to vote. It's 225,000 in Virginia, right? You can see it in every state. And so um, we, we see very clearly what it looks like when you create a law that eliminates a bunch of people, you know, it, it is a poll tax, right, who are just not able to comply with that law without a lot of money and outside help, uh, and then tell them, oh, by the way, you can't, you can't use that to vote, which is a constitutional right, um, and something that's fundamental to our democracy, and particularly when the people who are being impacted by that largely come from, almost exclusively come from the same socioeconomic level, right? And the very bottom of that rung. And so those voices are very much not being heard at the polls uh, because they have this, this massive requirement that they can't, they can't, uh, they can't fix. So Kat, again, this is an obvious question and I, and I understand all your arguments, but Shouldn't you be required to have some sort of ID when you vote? Because otherwise, anyone could vote. Anyone can claim they're somebody else. Anyone can vote more than once. You can have uh, undocumented immigrants, people who aren't American citizens voting. So, so what's the fix on this one? I mean, look, if that ever happened, then I'd be like, yeah, we should fix it. But it's, it's not an issue, right? Like every reputable study for the past 10 million years has shown that the, the percentage of people of you know, voter fraud, of people who are voting, voting fraudulently is it's ridiculously small, right? Like the thing people always say, oh, you could be struck by lightning more often, which I really feel like people must be getting struck by lightning constantly the way we use that example. But well, there's a lot it's of storms really in America. <laughs> there are. Uh, but, more I mean, if you don't need, if b before the change in the Registration Act, if you don't need ID, then how can you prove that people, how can you prove fraud one way or the other? I, I mean, look, there are people who are smarter than I who have run studies who have proven this. But, you know, like I live in the state of California. It's the most populous state in the nation. Uh, they just mail ballots to our house, which is lovely. They don't require ID to vote. We do not have a voter fraud issue. Like it, it is it is a concern that uh, has been really pushed into the mainstream because it's such a good argument for voter ID laws, but is very much not a problem. And the way that you know that that's true, uh, besides the many different, you know, videos and, and quotes and, and, and people talking off mic, admitting that they know that there's no voter fraud and this is specifically done to uh, reduce the amount of certain types of voters, uh, is that in most states until 2020, until people started voting by mail uh, in COVID and they realized, oh no, too many people are voting, voter ID laws didn't impact mail-in ballots. They only impacted in-person voting. But of the zero voter fraud that happens, the 000.01% that happens, happens in mail-in voting, right? And so if this was really about voter fraud, it always would have, they always would have required IDs to vote by mail. And they didn't start doing that until COVID. So that we we know it's, it's not, fraud is not, voter fraud isn't 
an issue. It's not something that really is ever happening. Um, and it is not something that voter ID laws were ever actually designed to address. It's just the messaging that was used. Well, before we get to uh, your solution to all this, tell me a little bit about these two organizations you've, you've, you've founded, which are connected. Uh, spread the Vote and uh, Project ID. What are they? Yeah. So we've got a C3, Spread the Vote plus Project ID. And what we do on that side is we work across the country in 21 states every day just helping people on the ground get IDs. So we help get all the documents required. We pay for everything. We provide transportation to the DMVs. We do everything we can to help people get an ID in their hands. And then during elections, we do a lot of voter education, a lot of voter turnout. We run on the only national uh, incarcerated voter program, Vote by Mail in Jail, to help folks who are incarcerated but are eligible to vote, of which there are more than half a million, actually be able to do so. Uh, then we have our 501c4 Project ID Action Fund, which is our political arm. And what we're doing on that side is while we are trying to help people be able to get IDs every day, we are also trying to just solve this problem uh, through policy. And so we work on legislation. We've got a bill in Congress. We've got actually, we have a bill in California that just landed on Gavin Newsom's desk, which I'm excited about and really hoping he signs. Uh, we endorse pro-ID candidates. We work with uh, politicians at a variety of levels on ID um, legislation. We I just did a book event last night with uh, Shahana Hanif, who is a councilwoman in New York, uh, talking about some different um, ID NYC legislation that she and another candidate we endorsed are working on to increase access to the ID NYC. Uh, and so we are working really hard on the policy side to eliminate this issue while on the C3 side to just help people day to day while we're doing that. And finally, uh, Kat, you said that you had some solutions to all this, the, to get these 26 million people who don't have government ID, making them essentially legal or at least visible in America. How would you do that? So we have a bill in Congress right now called the IDs for an Inclusive Democracy Act. And what that bill will do is it will create a free and optional federal ID, putting us on par basically with most of the rest of the world, because this is a uniquely American problem, right? And so uh, what the, the IDs for Inclusive Democracy Act would create an ID for uh, folks 14 and up. Um, it would be distributed not by the DMV, but by post offices and libraries um, who would be able to help process applications. And the goal would be to have a free ID that is safe and secure, but that is more accessible. And because it is a federal ID, you wouldn't have to get a new ID every time you move to a different state and have all of your new documents, you'd have this federal ID. It would be usable for jobs, for benefits, for housing, uh, for all of the things you can use a federal ID for, uh, and would, you know, with the stroke of a pen, provide access to all 26 million Americans, plus really, because that's only folks 18 and up. So it'd be well over 30 million Americans who would suddenly have access to a free ID. Stroke of a pen, cat. That's all it will take, you say? Well, I mean, it's the government, right? So it's getting all the way through the congressional process. A few process, pens or many and pens. Of a pen, and then, you know, there'll be a committee and then we'll have to design it and then implement it. But it'll happen. <laughs> And once it's done, it will exist. Um, and then everyone will have an idea. 